Hi, everyone. We're conducting an audience survey, and we'd be really grateful if you could take just a few minutes and answer a few questions. Please visit survey.prx.org happiness to take the survey today. That's survey.prx.org happiness. Thank you. The Science of Happiness is brought to you by the John Templeton Foundation. The Templeton Foundation harnesses the power of the sciences to explore the deepest and most perplexing questions facing humankind. Learn how their grantees are helping to address the coronavirus crisis at templeton.org. The Science of Happiness is brought to you by Progressive, one of the country's leading providers of auto insurance. With Progressive's Name Your Price tool, you say what kind of coverage you're looking for and how much you want to pay, and Progressive will help you find options that fit within your budget. Use the Name Your Price tool and start an online quote today at Progressive.com. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hi, I'm Shuka Kalantari. I'm the senior producer of The Science of Happiness. On this week's episode, guest host Serena Chen, who's the psychology department chair at UC Berkeley, talks with Becky and Christine Margiata about being more present and patient with the loved ones. In this case, they're two little kids. We recorded their interview before COVID-19 came to the States, which is why you won't hear any reference to the pandemic. But the lessons they take away from the practice still feel really relevant today. Enjoy the show. For me, I wasn't super on the have kids bandwagon. I thought the whole perk of being gay was you didn't have to have kids. And Christine is nine years younger than I am. And Christine, her biological clock ticked in ways that mine did not. So I was asking, what should I do to get your attention? And what did you say? Yours are a little whiny to me. I sound whiny to you? Or maybe boogery. I sound boogery? Yeah. I'm 50, so I feel like I'm older than most, maybe a lot of people when they have young children. I don't think you blow a nose all the time. You think I need to blow my nose more? Yeah. So you don't listen to me because I have too much boogers in my nose? Yeah, maybe that's why. I get impatient like twice a week, and that's not who I want to be as their parent. And so I'm really like, it's cool, it's good, whatever, don't listen to me for half an hour. And then I'm like, hey, you know, I feel like my military background snaps in and I'm like a little more sharp elbowed, a little more gruff, a little bit more like, okay, now we're going to pay attention because it's not funny anymore. So tonight when I got frustrated with you because you weren't listening and you said, No, I'm going to tell you something. Okay. And when I have moments of clarity and have a moment of solitude, I get so clear that the most important thing I could possibly do would be to do a good job as the parent to these two children. Can we rest TV now? Well, I was thinking, I, I'm really learning a lot from you two. That's, that's all. That's all I know. That's all you know? I'm Serena Chen. I'm filling in for Dacker this week. Today, I'm joined by Becky and Christine Margiata. Becky is a co-founder of the Billions Institute, and she's also a veteran of the U.S. Army. Christine, her wife, is the executive director of a philanthropic group connecting changemakers. It's called Social Venture Partners. Together, they juggle two young kids while maintaining very busy schedules helping global communities grow. Becky and Christine try to practice from our Greater Good in Action website to bring more mindfulness and connection to their own home and life with their kids. And they're here today to tell us how it went. Becky and Christine, thanks so much for joining us today on The Science of Happiness. 
Thank you for having us. Yeah, good to be here. So we asked you to choose a practice among the various ones on the Greater Good in Action website to boost kindness, connection, and overall happiness. And both of you chose the mindful breathing exercise followed by a mindful observation practice. Now, can you maybe tell us a bit why you chose this particular practice? My motivation, I think I was like, oh, can you help me be more patient with my kids? I, Christina is just a saint. It's sort of like a unfair competition. Like, (laughs) Christine has gotten impatient maybe twice in all of our years of parenting. I get impatient like twice a week. And that's not who I want to be as their parent. And also, I don't want them to not listen. And it's just something that we're like, probably I imagine a lot of parents trying to figure out how do you form an actual authentic relationship with your children that's not one that's oppressive and power over and they do what they say because you told them to. I mean, it keeps going on. I've got a 9 and 12-year-old and I'm more like you. I didn't know about twice a week. I lose my patience twice a day. So Mm -hmm. you're Mm -hmm. both way ahead of me. (laughs) So I think a lot about these transitions between the intensity of my workday and how quickly my mind moves during the day from thing to thing and the to-do list that's always in my mind. And I feel like my pace during the workday is very quick. And my intention when I'm with our family is to slow down really significantly and to be very present, both to enable myself to kind of turn off some of the other things that are running in my mind that are work-related, but also to be with the family rather than to be in this doing mode. So for me, the idea of slowing down and breathing and creating some consciousness around the transition between work and family time was really important. So for the mindful breathing exercise, you're supposed to get into a comfortable position, then really tune into your breathing. You're inhaling and you're exhaling. Then right afterwards, you both did the mindful observation practice. For that, you were to choose a natural object from your immediate environment and then really focus on looking at it for a minute or two as though you're seeing that object for the first time. So tell us how it went for you. How did those two practices go for you guys? Sure. And Becky and I are laughing a little bit because we'll both acknowledge that we did it wrong. Um, (laughs) I did it more wrong. Right. Becky did it more wrong than I did. So at least there's that. We had a little debate on what was the right way. Um, (laughs) And as we were prepping, we both acknowledged my rightness on this one. Um, (laughs) Welcome to my world. Doesn't often happen. (laughs) So I was kind of reveling in that. But the exercise we chose, we will admit we did a modified version of it. So the mindful breathing is about setting aside 15 minutes every day for a week and breathing, finding a comfortable position, noticing what was going on in our bodies and breathing. And I'll say for me, I have a train commute. I commute about an hour and a half each way by train. So I'm usually wrapping up my workday on the train. And I chose to do this exercise sitting in my car before I drove home from the train station. And that was a great moment in my day before diving into the wonderful madness of evening time with the kids and and with our family. And the second piece of this was a mindful observation. And this is where Becky and I had different interpretations of this. This was about mindfully observing a natural object for a couple minutes. And I chose our children as the natural object. And I think Becky chose chose a a guava tree. Usually I chose a tree. Yeah. (laughs) Or like a hummingbird. 
Yeah. Do you want to talk about how you modified each of these? Oh, sure. Yeah. So Christine has morning duty and I have afternoon duty. So I pick up the kids from school while Christine's commuting back. And so I would roll up on the elementary school and turn off my car and do a breathing meditation. And I always at first was like, oh, people can see some weirdos falling asleep in the car. But I was like, <laughs> who cares? I mean, this yeah. is for our kids. So I would do just two minutes of a mindfulness breathing and then go get the kiddos. And yeah. then at some point, this is usually actually where like most of my parenting fouls occur is the time between when I pick up the kids and when Christine gets home, when like the A-team arrives. And at some point while I had the kids home by myself, the weak link in the parenting chain, I would say like, hey, kids, I'll be right back. And I'd go sit outside and I would just we have a this gorgeous backyard that overlooks this park. And I would look at the wind in the trees for, again, for two minutes, and yeah. almost every time a hummingbird would pop up and keep me company and go back in feeling really refreshed and present. And so, Christine, I just did two minutes, but you did like yeah. 10 minutes of breathing meditation. See, this is, where, yeah. this is where we differ, and I love the ways we're able to learn from each other. So I saw 15 minutes and felt this pressure to do it right and to do it as it was written. And the pull of I'm usually – wanting to race home to be with the family, feeling guilty right. that my commute gets me, you know, I get home at 545, which I feel incredibly grateful for the train that I'm able to finish my workday on there. But Becky's been home with them at that point for an hour or two most days. Right. So I'm usually yeah. trying to race home. So 15 minutes felt so indulgent, which feels silly to say. So what I did I set a timer and I did a five-minute walking meditation, which is essentially my walk from the train to my car. <laughs> right. Um, and then I did five minutes in my car. And there was once or twice where I opened my eyes to peek at the clock to make sure I had set the timer because I was I was still feeling the anxiety of, oh, gosh, I, I want to get home. Right. Uh, but yeah. most days was really able to settle and ground myself, particularly in those five minutes in the car. Once I start meditating – I don't generally want to stop. It's very soothing for my nervous system. It's very good for my well-being. And so there's also, since I plan on continuing this, is to just keep inching the timer up one more minute. And next thing you know, there's going to be people banging my car being like, are you okay, lady? <laughs> Move like, your car. Move yeah. your car. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and then after you did that, the mindful breathing exercise – you got home, and on some nights you chose your children to observe when they were doing what. So our kids are moving so quickly, uh, as I'm sure you can relate to. They're, yes. they're three and five, so they are rarely not in motion. Right. <laughs> uh, so one time where they're a bit more mellow is when they're taking a bath, and I usually sit with them during their bath time. So one of the more striking moments on the first day of this practice was looking at our daughter's toes and looking at her tiny, tiny little toenails on, on each of her toes and just kind of marveling at these little feet on this beautiful little person. Yeah. What was it like to try to see these toes as if you're seeing them for the first time? I really loved that part of the instruction in particular. You know, I look at them and realize, oh my gosh, they've grown an inch or you know, their baby tummy is going away or something like that. And this is, it's really been part of a more global commitment to not ever assuming who they are or, or think that I know who they are because I knew them 
yesterday or because we, you know, because I birthed them, you know, I somehow know who they are and a global commitment to always keep learning and keep my curiosity up about who they are and who they're becoming. Yeah. So Becky, earlier you said you sort of took a little break from your kids to engage in the mindful observation exercise. You went outside to your garden and you chose a guava tree or a hummingbird to focus on. What happened after? What shifted in you that helped you then go back in to be with the kids and be able to focus on them more? I was, I would say, markedly more patient and present with the kids. I asked them if they thought so, and it seems as though they don't really have an impression of that yet. (laughs) But but I felt much more relaxed and present with them and just sort of um, less on my own agenda, right? And I think last week when I did the meditation, I was much more able to catch myself and be like, okay, you're feeling frustrated. You have an agenda. They have a different agenda. This does not need to be resolved in this moment. Mm-hmm. And it just bought me that that little cognitive window where yeah. I wasn't in a reactive brain as much. And I, and I sort of, I capitulated. I was like, okay, I'm going to come back. I'm going to get you, but I'm going to come back later, you know? Right. And that created a lot more day-to-day peacefulness in our home. And I feel like what happened as I was doing that was my nervous system reset that it was kind of maybe like that transition from the workday. For me, it's I work from home, so I don't have a train ride, which I'm glad. I'm glad not to be commuting. But there's not that real transition from the workday to the parenting evening. And is a nervous system reset. I just feel myself more present, shifting from doing to being pretty quickly, actually, and really enjoying it. And like, oh, I could do this for a long time. I actually had this thought that it might be fun to – bring the kids out for a sit, you know, and say, like, mm-hmm. let's look at the trees for a minute and see what that's like for them, too. And did they notice you engaging in this mindful observation? Obviously, the guava tree didn't. Presumably, <laughs> your, your children might have. I remember that evening, Vivian thought I was falling asleep, I think, because I was looking down into the bath. Yeah. So she, she interrupted my meditation with a, Mama, wake up! Right. So the exercises you guys chose was actually came in a pair where you were encouraged to do mindful breathing first, followed by the mindful observation part of the exercise. Did you find that this pairing really helped? Did it make sense to you versus just sort of trying to, for example, go into the mindful observation without having engaged in mindful breathing? I really loved the pairing of these two and and the order in particular to take the time to meditate, that was for me really a time to rest my mind and to allow some of the tabs that were open in my brain to close and to be for a moment. And the mindful observation really felt like presence. So it felt like meditation was about the transition and the mindful observation was about the presence, which is exactly my intention when I'm transitioning home. And I'm usually racing through that whole process and not achieving either of those very effectively. I think for me, it was helpful that they were separated by time Mm. and that they were both little mini, small, doable chunks. And I know it should have been longer, but two minutes felt sufficient (laughs) for me. Yeah, yeah. And it was like, oh, it's just two minutes. You know, I can do this. I actually set it as a reminder on my app to like, okay, two minutes of breathing, two minutes of observing mindfulness. And because they were so short in some ways, but also so 
restorative for me and my own consciousness and my own well-being. It became something I looked forward to. It was kind of like getting like a, a mini break from parenting even to like, right. I'm going to go sit outside for a minute, kiddos. And right. <laughs> uh, it was all fine. I think had it only been one, I don't know that it would have had the same effect, honestly. The two felt powerful. I have certainly approached parenting as anytime our children are awake, I want to be 100% present with them. And I think what I'm hearing and what Becky is sharing is doing the mindful observation while with them, and in her case, particularly in nature, it gave you permission to step away from our kids and that that's okay. Mm -hmm. You know, that presence doesn't mean being on with them 100% of the time. It was that as long as I'm present, that's of service to the whole, that it's presence in itself that is the gift and the calming presence for them, even if it's not, you know, laser focused on them. Yeah. Something I discovered in doing this is I feel like I've been able to be pretty deeply present with our kids on a day-to-day basis. I've been able to make that pivot. Where I haven't been as present has been with Becky, that I, I am so focused on our kids and wanting to listen to them and hear about their day and build whatever structure they're building or play whatever game that I'm often kind of putting off connecting with Becky until after they're in bed, at which point we're both exhausted and have about an hour left in us of probably something pretty mindless at that point. So what I noticed for me is that I came home and felt much more available for connection with all three of them and that I could say to Becky, what were the big things in your day? And and here are a couple things that went on for me because my mind was quieter. So I was able to also have adult conversation. So I I just feel like my brain and my, my mind and body were more able to connect on all levels with the whole family. Thank you so much, Becky and Christine, for joining us today on The Science of Happiness and sharing your experiences with the practice and in your lives. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much for having us. This has been a really wonderful adventure. Yeah, thank you. And we'll keep up the practice. What does research tell us about what happens when we direct mindfulness towards our parenting? More on the benefits of engaging in mindful parenting up next. Hiring the right team for your business can be a long and arduous process. With Indeed, there are no long-term contracts, you can pause your account at any time, and you only pay for what you need. Indeed.com is the hiring site that helps you find quality candidates with Indeed Instant Match. Indeed searches through the millions of resumes in their database to help show you great candidates instantly. Want your quality shortlist fast? You need Indeed. Right now, our listeners get a free $75 credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash happiness. This is Indeed's best offer available anywhere. Get a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash happiness. Indeed.com slash happiness. Offer valid through March 31st. Terms and conditions apply. We know from science that giving to others, especially those in need, can make us happier as a community. Unbound is an international nonprofit that partners with families living in extreme poverty, empowering them to become self-sufficient and fulfill their desired potential. When you sponsor a child, young adult, or elder through Unbound, you invest in personalized benefits that support goals chosen by the sponsored individual and their family. Unbound sends more than $100 million each year to support families in under-resourced countries. 
You can make a real and direct impact, offering hope in the life of someone when they need it most. Partner with a new friend today at unbound.org slash happiness. The mindful breathing and mindful observation exercises are among a host of mindfulness practices meant to cultivate present-centered awareness and attention. They're practices that encourage a non-judgmental, more open, curious approach to being with whatever it is that we're experiencing in the moment, like our children's tantrums. When my child was a toddler, having that kind of, you know, pretty typical developmentally normative tantrum experience, being exposed to that, my body, you know, naturally produced a physiological stress response, right? An increase in cortisol, epinephrine, norepinephrine, and we've evolved to be able to do that, you know, the kind of fight or flight or freeze response to survive threats. Larissa Duncan directs the Center for Child and Family Well-Being at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. She's an expert in mindful parenting. Part of what the practice of mindfulness can do is help us to be more present, to pause and have a moment of reflection and orientation to what our intentions are as parents between that stimulus of the tantrum and what it's doing in our bodies and minds, and then choose to interact in a much more thoughtful, intentional way and to be present despite, you know, that elevated stress response that we're experiencing. Mindful parenting can reduce our stress levels, strengthen our relationship with our kids, and it can make them more trusting to share their thoughts with us. In one of Larissa's studies, they found that mindful parenting led youth to be more trusting of their parents and more comfortable talking about the kinds of challenges they might be facing in their interactions with peers and in other settings. They do have a greater sense of trust that their parents love them and care about them no matter what. So over and over again, I experience and I see in the families we work with the incredible power of apologizing to our children when we're wrong, of apologizing to them when we have yelled and didn't want to, and coming back together in that way of acknowledging how things didn't go exactly how we had hoped they might can allow us to then make a different choice the next time this arises. If you'd like to try some mindfulness practices yourself, visit our Greater Good in Action website at ggia.berkeley.edu. Tell us how it went or share other thoughts by emailing us at greater at berkeley.edu or using the hashtag happinesspod. I'm Serena Chen, filling in for Dacker Keltner this week. Thanks for joining us on the Science of Happiness. Our podcast is a co-production of UC Berkeley's Greater Good Science Center and PRX. Our senior producer is Shuka Kalantari. Production assistance is from Jenny Cataldo and Ben Manila of BMP Audio. Our executive producer is Jane Park, and our editor-in-chief is Jason Marsh. Special thanks to UC Berkeley's Graduate School of Journalism.